Welcome to the Supervisory Development Course podcast from the University of Minnesota. This episode is adapted from a webinar that aired on April 30th, 2019. The podcast is an introduction to the 2020 Performance Management Initiative that aligns the process across all finance and operations units, beginning with the 2019-2020 performance time period. 2020 Performance Management is the result of a system-wide working group of HR directors convened to advance talent and performance management at the university and develop research-based best practices to fit our needs. To learn more about how this initiative affects you as an employee or supervisor, please visit 2020performance.umn.edu. We will go ahead and get started introducing our presenters. I'm Donna Sadoff, and I'll be facilitating the session today. We're very fortunate to have with us four guests. With me here today are Brandon Sullivan, Senior Director of Leadership and Talent Development, Kendrick Moore, HR Lead for the Office of Information Technology, Gail Peters, HR Lead for the Humphrey School of Public Affairs, and Anne Derusha, HR Lead for Youth Services. Valerie Watson, who is the HR Lead for University Finance, was not able to be here today, but her department is also involved in this initiative. We'll have a chance to hear from Brandon, Kendrick, Gail, and Anne briefly in just a few moments and then later on during the Q&A portion of the webinar. Welcome again, everyone. We're excited for you to be here today to learn about what's happening in performance management at the U. We're moving to a new performance management process for 2020, and this webinar will help you become familiar with 2020 performance management, including why we're doing it and what the steps are in the process. You'll also learn about setting goals that are both broad and challenging, whether it's a developmental goal or a performance goal. Plus, you'll have an opportunity to ask questions about 2020 performance management and the next steps to take. When you think about performance management, what comes to mind? Well, it's easy to think of performance management as a way to address poor performance or to simply check the box on an annual performance review this webinar is designed to help you prepare for our 2020 performance management process and see the value in all the steps involved in the process. In the core of this process are regular conversations about your goals, your accomplishments, your development needs, and how they come together to help our teams and departments succeed. Although your unit or college is probably already doing some of these things, the 2020 performance management process is a chance for us to get a common, consistent set of practices based on science and what really works when it comes to supporting performance and development. Before we jump to the specifics, I'll give you some context of how this process came about. Brandon is going to answer a few questions. So Brandon, thanks for being here with us today. And I think there are some important questions that our audience may be wondering about that I'd like to ask you about. So the first question is, why are we doing this 2020 performance management and why now? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, we know that a lot of people, uh, the university managers, individual employees and so on, often feel like performance management is something that can be sort of a bureaucratic process. It's a lot of paperwork. Um, it's a lot of time spent on things and it's you know, a lot of people aren't sure we're getting anything out of it or they are sure they're not mm -hmm. right we yeah. hear that a lot uh, in, in human resources um, and so 
we do know that out in the world, there's good science and leading practice around a few simple things that work, uh, mm -hmm. that make that time spent in performance management worthwhile and do help contribute to development and performance. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the challenges at the university is that we're decentralized when it comes to performance management. And so each unit is um, you know, kind of doing their own thing. And so there's a lot of good practices out there, um, but there's also processes that could be more efficient and could be more effective. Um, and so we had an opportunity now to really take a look at how could we all come together around a set of kind of core uh, performance management practices that we know from research and from leading practice work um, and all kind of get on the same page around that. Well, that sounds really great and promising and I'm wondering um, who is involved in the process at this point? Yeah, so in terms of the performance management 2020 process right now for this year, it's the units that report up through the Senior Vice President for Finance and Operations, so OHR, OIT, UFinance. Uh, and uh, University Services. Mm -hmm. um, and then the Humphrey School of Public Affairs is joining us this year. Mm -hmm. And we also have several colleges um, that are gonna be joining us through the course of this year and phasing in this process uh, starting next year. And the, the vision for this and the hope is that this actually will become mm -hmm. an, a university-wide process in the future. Mm -hmm. That's right, it sounds like a lot of really great, great momentum happening. And how did we come up with this approach? Yeah, so about a year ago, uh, a group of us, uh, uh, formed what's called the Talent and Performance Management Working Group. Mm -hmm. And it was a group of HR directors from colleges, campuses, and units, as well as some of us uh, centrally. Um, and we started by taking a look at kind of where is the university at with mm -hmm. performance management today? Where do we want to be? Um, and what does you know, science and practice tell us works? Um, and so we've been working hard to identify you know, what are some practices we could put in place um, that will will work and will get us there. And so this uh, performance management 2020 process is really the first opportunity to start implementing some of the things that has come out of that talent and performance management working group. So it's really been a system-wide effort. That's great. It sounds like a very collaborative approach to performance management. That's awesome. So finally, and this is probably not going to be a surprise, a lot of people are wondering how this new process will impact merit pay. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could say a few words about that. Yeah, so there are some aspects of performance management, um, merit pay being one of them, how we set goals, um, behavioral competencies that we might use, you know, technology that supports performance management that we know are you know, things that you know, we want to figure out how to um, get common on eventually. Mm -hmm. Um, but for this year, those are things that are going to continue to be decided at the unit level. Um, so there are certain things that you'll see today in, in the webinar we're moving uh, towards a common approach on. Um, but the other pieces uh, that I mentioned, merit pay, how we set goals, behavioral competencies, and then the kind of technology that supports it, um, we're going to you know, take a look at over the next year or two is, you know, is there a way we can get common on those? And, and so more to come on that. Mm -hmm. That's excellent. Thank you, Brandon. This really helps to frame our conversation today, so mm -hmm. I appreciate it. Um, so now at this point, I'd like to take a, a couple minutes to hear from each of our HR leads that are here today. And here with me is uh, Ann Darusha, HR Lead for University Services, Kendrick Moore, HR Lead for the Office of Information Technology, and Gail Peters, uh, HR Lead for the Humphrey School of Public Affairs. So my question to all of you is, why is your unit involved with the 2020 performance management process? Um, how did you get started and where to go from here? So I'll let whichever one of you wants to start dive in. Well, I will start. So this program provides a great opportunity for university services to revamp its performance management process. 
I think it's important to have a greater focus on um, ongoing communication and feedback to employees. So this gives us an opportunity to, to develop our skills doing that. Mm -hmm. And then also to have a greater emphasis on employee development planning. Oh, that's great. Yeah, thank you, Anne. Kendrick, would you like to uh, go next? Yeah, Donna, I'm I'm really excited about this approach because it's it's a it's it's a comprehensive approach. It's more than just a conversation about evaluation form. Mm -hmm. um, one example is that we're talking not just about what people accomplish, but how they accomplish it. And discussing both the what and the how um, leads to more meaningful conversations. And meaningful and ongoing conversations is really what performance management um, mm -hmm. is about. And the units participating in this process are, are kind of taking the university a step closer to having a, a common process and language and that can kind of help us better align as an organization. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That sounds really great. Thank you, Kendrick. And Gail. Hi, good morning. I echo much of what my colleagues say, but I also want to say a few things about why the Humphrey School, excuse me, has decided to move forward with this. We really want to increase professional development efforts and retention. Mm -hmm. And we feel that employees want to feel challenged in their work and engaged in their job. We feel this new process will ensure every employee has a plan in place that focuses on their professional growth through tangible metrics and goals. Uh, additionally, we think that the simplified evaluation process and tool, that it, we want to have a tool that is meaningful, that focuses more on ongoing conversations, more than just a once a year rating. It'll give supervisors and employees the chance to participate in all aspects of talent and performance management, including professional development, check-ins, and goal set settings. Finally, with this process, we are hopeful we'll see increased employee engagement and cultivate a stronger network connecting employees to job growth opportunities throughout the university. That's wonderful. Thanks so much. Thanks, Gail. Thanks, everyone. And one of the common denominators that I'm hearing from all of you is employee development. That sounds like it's very critical to all of this. And then also a simplified, more meaningful process. So um, I really appreciate how that um, will be for each of your units as we move forward here. So. Um, so this performance management process reflects current best practices and we have a lot of clear leadership and research that has gone into creating this. So let's take a few minutes to think about the outcomes of moving to this new plan. There are a few things that you can expect as a result and the first thing you can expect is training and support. If you're a supervisor, you'll receive monthly communication and additional training to support your leadership development around this new initiative. The training opportunities will include webinars such as this one, in-person sessions jointly conducted by your HR lead and leadership and talent development in the Office of Human Resources, which will help you understand how to apply this new process, and some just-in-time communication options. You can also expect multiple opportunities for input and built-in accountability. If you're an employee, you have an additional way of making your voice heard. All employees will receive a one-question survey to gather input about their experience. In this October, you'll have the opportunity to take the 2019 Employee Engagement Survey. There are items on the survey asking about feedback, development coaching, and other performance management activities. Your responses to the engagement survey will be another important way for you to provide confidential feedback on this performance management process. Supervisors who receive engagement reports in January 2020 will use this data to better understand employees' experiences. 
And finally, you can expect a simplified review process in the end. I think we all know that the form is the least important part of the performance management process, but it's the one that gets the most attention. The new form is short at only two pages and has fewer sections. Let's take a closer look. Overall, the form is more focused and concise. The 2020 performance evaluation form has some identifying information, such as your name, employee ID, review period, and two key sections. The results sections, what were the most important accomplishments and contributions, and behaviors, how were those results achieved? There is also a simple three-point rating scale at the end. This might be different from some of the scales that are currently in use, but there is some work being done to getting us all to a common scale. So more information on this will be forthcoming later in the process when you're preparing to do the upcoming mid-year or annual reviews. This form is filled out by the supervisor. For employees, there's an opportunity to complete an input form that also has a part describing the key accomplishments and contributions along with the behavioral competencies. This form would help you prepare for a productive conversation with your supervisor come review time and is a tool to provide input. Another way in which the form can be used is to jot down the goals in the beginning of the year and have it be a living document that helps you and your supervisor have those conversations throughout the year. Local practices around goal setting can vary a bit, so remember to look for your local training for more information about this. Also, in the spirit of simplification, we are adopting a common review timeframe. Currently, there are several timelines that we follow. Some start the review year in January, some in April, and some in July. For the 2020 performance management year, we'll, we'll all move to the April through March timeframe. This also means that there will be some periods of transition when you're wrapping up reviews for this current year while also starting the goal setting process for the upcoming year, and that's okay. One of the most important benefits is having consistent communication and expectations across multiple departments and also for some planning purposes. We anticipate many more departments to join the process in 2021. As a reminder, performance management is a process, not a form. Again, the form is meant to simplify the review time, but we can't emphasize this enough. It's a summary at the end of the year, not a way to actually manage and improve performance throughout the year. We'll continue talking about this in more detail in the following slides when we talk about goal setting. This part of the process is crucial for making the whole effort worthwhile. So, you might be asking yourself, why should I care? This process is important because it's an opportunity to focus on what really matters, which is having regular conversations about goals, your successes, and your development needs. This might look different depending on the nature of work, individual needs and styles, but it's an opportunity to own your own development and have a process that provides accountability. It's also a two-way street, and while it's the job of a supervisor to provide clear expectations and define success, it's also the job of an employee to be proactive and ask questions and act on feedback. 
Let's take a quick look at some resources that are currently available. The 2020 Performance Management site, that's 2020performance.umn.edu, is a source to learn about this initiative. This is where the forums are going to be posted, and this is where the links to the future events and training opportunities will be. You may also already know our Supervisory Development course site at supervising.umn.edu as the place where you can learn more about the science and best practices of performance management. So with that, let's take a look at what actually works when it comes to performance management. What does the science say and what are the best practices? So next we'll hear from Brandon who will answer these questions and share more information with us. So go ahead, Brandon. Thanks, Donna. Uh, so effective performance management involves three stages. There's goal setting or setting priorities, then there's ongoing check-in conversations, and then finally the performance evaluation. The last step uh, is what many people think of as performance, man performance management, but in fact it's actually just the performance <laughs> review, that last piece. Uh, performance management happens in the first two steps when you're setting goals and priorities, having ongoing check-ins. Uh, an evaluation should be happening throughout the year as part of giving feedback and providing coaching so that change can happen throughout the entire performance management process. An ongoing check-in is really just a conversation about progress toward goals and priorities and talking about what's going well and what could be going better. Uh, it doesn't need to be a formal or complicated process. In fact, frequent informal conversations often work best. The key is taking the time to have the conversations and make sure that you focus on the most important things. It may seem like effective performance management is a lot of work, but it's actually a more effective use of your time. With ongoing check-in discussions, the work is more evenly distributed throughout the year instead of a spike at the end when you're struggling to remember everything that happened over the past year and think of what you want to say in the review. How many of us are familiar with the tendency to set goals or discuss priorities at the beginning of the year only to forget them and then scramble come review time. Or not set goals at the beginning of the year and not talk about priorities and then try to write a review at the end of the year. A more effective model is to have ongoing check-ins between these two steps. The whole point of this is to distribute that effort so you can address performance throughout the year. And your final review then just becomes a summary of the year's check-in conversations. At this point, let's talk a little more in depth about best practices around setting goals. It's important to take the time to create well-designed goals. Although it may be tempting to skip goal setting, doing this will deprive you of one of the most powerful ways that you can motivate employees, focus efforts, and improve performance. And isn't that what we all want in the end? Clear and relevant goals are the foundation for effective coaching and feedback, as well as for performance evaluations. Once you've set goals or determined priorities, be sure to have ongoing check-ins on a regular basis to discuss progress update and revise your goals and priorities, and create more specific shorter-term goals. Again, avoid the set-and-forget trap of writing goals or determining your priorities and then not looking at them again until review time. So let's take a closer look at what works when setting goals. There are three main things to remember when you're setting goals or determining your priorities for the year. For most goals, it works best to have three to five broad goals or priorities at the beginning of the year and then set shorter term goals throughout the year based on the nature of the work. Goals should be flexible uh, uh, because priorities may change throughout the year. For most of us, uh, that's pretty common. 
make sure that goals are challenging so that progress is meaningful. You want goals that can be attained but will require some effort. Uh, so think about whether a goal or, or a priority would allow for learning and feedback uh, and development and growth. So we'll talk a little more about how to do this in just a, just a minute here. Uh, of course, there are a few things to remember about what doesn't work in goal setting. One of the things not to do is to forget to do that, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to have formal goal setting process, but it does mean the beginning of the year and throughout the year, it's important to talk about what are your goals or your priorities. Um, you want to not set goals that are too easy, uh, and this is really tempting to do. Um, these would be uh, your check-the-box kinds of tasks, and they would include goals that are not challenging enough to support growth and development. Uh, keep in mind that SMART goals, and um, if you don't know what SMART goals are, it's okay, but if you're familiar with them, um, it's, a, it's a very popular approach to goal setting, um, but using this as annual goals often doesn't work very well. Uh, SMART goals uh, often get focused on results or metrics that aren't as meaningful over time. Um, priorities and goals can change too quickly um, and can be, you know, so you set goals at the beginning of the year that are really detailed and over-engineered and then you end up spending more time on the goal setting process um, than you should and they become outdated. Uh, so when setting goals, one thing to remember is that goals need to reflect both results and behaviors. And that's one of the themes that, that you'll be hearing throughout this uh, whole process. Uh, now this might look different depending on the nature of the work, uh, experience, individual needs, and context. So I'll give you an example. Um, so the goal on this slide states, uh, evaluate the cost, benefits, and risks of the new data analysis tool, and if the evaluation supports it, implement the tool in the department. So this is just an example of a goal that someone might have. Um, this goal describes the results that need to be achieved, but doesn't really specify how those results are to be achieved. Specifically, what are the skills, knowledge, and abilities, also called competencies, that are needed to achieve this goal? So in addition to results, it's helpful to identify the most important competencies. For example, the second goal on this slide, use your knowledge and experience to help others in the department improve and learn more effective ways to store and analyze data, gets at a behavioral competency or a set of behavioral competencies that are needed to achieve the results described in the first goal. So let's talk a little bit about the goal setting process uh, in a little more detail here. Um, so we've looked at what makes an effective goal and what they should look like, but how do we achieve this? The first step of goal setting is to ask for or provide input. Effective goal setting starts with a conversation between a supervisor and employee. We know that each unit does this a little bit differently, um, and in some units, you know, there's more of a formal goal setting process, and others it's more about talking about priorities and, and kind of shorter term project goals and that kind of thing. Um, but regardless of the approach, it's always a good idea to start with that conversation between the supervisor and employee. So as an employee, Think about the following questions and bring forward your ideas to your supervisor during these conversations. So here's some questions for you to think about as an employee. Uh, thinking about your current projects and your day-to-day -day work, what would be some challenging and meaningful goals for you to focus on next? How could you incorporate your interest in developing a new skill or skill set into your work? What is a challenging part of your job? What ideas do you have for developing stronger skills in this area? And what would be a good next step to build on a current project or assignment? And you can think of other kinds of questions along these lines, but these are the really helpful things to be thinking about in terms of priorities and, and goals. If you are a supervisor, take time to have this conversation around these sorts of questions and find out what the interests of your employee 
are and how do they fit with the goals and priorities of the work. The next step in goal setting is to identify three to five of the most important expectations considering both the what, the results, as well as the behaviors or the how of the work. Um, so remember to consider you know, how the person can best contribute to the success of the department or unit. As a supervisor, communicate how these goals or priorities will contribute to the broader needs and priorities of the department, college, or unit. And this is really important uh, because helping connect an employee with the bigger picture um, and helping employees understand how they contribute is a really important part of development and engagement. A common mistake in setting goals is that they're too easy to achieve. We've all done this, I've certainly done this, um, but be sure the goals are challenging so success is meaningful. Effective goals should be challenging enough that they take significant effort. So ask yourself, would achieving a particular goal uh, be meaningful? Would it be a significant accomplishment? If not, if it'd be pretty easy to achieve, uh, consider making it more challenging. A good goal will push someone outside of their comfort zone. And our default often as an employee or for supervisors as supervisors to make those goals pretty uh, achievable. Um, and so we wanna push the envelope a little bit on that. Then following up once you have set goals or determined priorities is crucial. Uh, check in to review progress, update goals and priorities, and set more specific shorter term goals for projects and day-to-day -day work. Don't just put the goals on the shelf for the year. Determine what your strategy is gonna be for your regular check-ins. In fact, if there's one key takeaway of following these best practices, it's the importance of having regular conversations about priorities and then making adjustments as the work changes throughout the year. So now I'm gonna turn it back over to Donna to talk about what you can do next. Thanks, Brandon. So we've talked a lot about the goals, new process, timelines, and it was a lot of information to digest. And at this point, you might be wondering, so what? What does it look like for me? What do I need to do to be successful in this new process? Well, remember that first step in goal setting that we talked through before? On your action sheet, there are these same questions. They allow you to reflect on your work and the skills that you have or would like to get better at. So after the webinar today, take some time to think those through. If you're a manager, consider how you would incorporate those development conversations into your regular check-ins. If you haven't had an opportunity to do a check-in, make an effort to schedule one. In the coming weeks, watch for more communication from your local units on the opportunities to learn more about the goal setting and how it might look for you and the people you supervise. With that, let's open it up for your questions. So what is on your mind? How can we best support and help you? What questions do you have? So I, I have one question here. Um, could you talk a little bit more about why we're moving to this performance management process? I'll take that one, Donna. Thank um, you, Kendrick. Donna, I think we really, at the university, have traditionally thought of it as kind of paperwork or uh, a form, but we really want to shift that conversation and change that mindset to making it more about an ongoing conversation and kind of more meaningful, mm -hmm. deeper conversations with, between the manager and the employee and, mm -hmm. and really focus on that relationship. Mm -hmm. It really seems like when you really peel it back, the, the, the bare bones of this is that conversation, that communication between supervisor and employee that really um, provides the foundation for all of this. 
And here I, I have another question I'm going to ask the group. What about tying goals to the position description? Does that need to happen during this process? And what might that look like? Then I'll take a stab at that one. <laughs> I think, uh, Thank you, Kendrick. I think you know the, it can vary based on, on your position. I think some positions have uh, a longer-term work plan that's more predictable, and you may have kind of the what you're planning to accomplish and some mm -hmm. goals around that. Mm -hmm. But often, you know, work changes um, frequently, and it's, it's, we can't necessarily map that out a year in advance. And so in those cases, maybe your goal is more focusing on the, the how you accomplish your results mm -hmm. versus the what you're going to accomplish, mm -hmm. learning some new techniques to go about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Um, you know, and I, I'll sort of paraphrase a question that's come up where the person asks about the term behavior and is a, a bit skeptical about using that. Um, is there a better term that we could use other than behavior? Sounds like they're kind of thinking it akin to like a, maybe a, what a, how a teacher would work with a, a student or something like that. Well, I can take a stab at that. Um, so the, the sort of technical term for it is a competency. Um, and a competency is more than a behavior, um, but it, it's sort of a, a combination of skills, knowledge, and abilities. Um, and so when you do things like assessment or um, you know, you're talking about from a kind of a technical perspective, what the how looks like, you know, how do you want to go about doing this job to be effective? How do you need to communicate? How do you need to partner with other people? How do you need to solve problems? Mm -hmm. um, these are competencies. Now, behaviors are part of that. So you really can't get away from the term behavior. And I think when working with a lot of supervisors for whom a lot of this is new stuff, they know what a behavior is, but a competency can sound kind of, you know, overly academic. So I think the term behavior is actually really helpful a lot of times um, in pointing out what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. but you can certainly use the term competency if you if you don't like the term behavior. Mm -hmm. I don't know if others have mm -hmm. other experiences with that. Do any of you guys use the word competencies or the concept of that? Yes, in university services we do use competencies. Mm -hmm. And have for some time, I yes. believe. Yes, that's correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. And we will continue to use those competencies with this new system. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In OIT, that competencies is something we've worked with managers on over the last couple of years. We haven't necessarily uh, rolled that conversation out to staff OIT-wide, but we're planning to do that um, mm -hmm. starting like this summer. Mm -hmm. And how have you found that to be helpful, Kendrick, in this whole performance management process? I think that really, really takes the conversation to um, a deeper level and allows people to really focus and be um, thoughtful about how they're going to accomplish mm -hmm. uh, their work. It provides, I would think, to some language, some verbiage for describing those behaviors. So there's some clarity that maybe wouldn't be there otherwise. Absolutely. I think sometimes um, using a competency model helps the manager really articulate what they're trying to communicate to their staff. Um, and, and that's half the challenge sometimes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, well, here's one about the, uh, the forms themselves. Um, will this be online or paper forms? What format will the new review tool be in? A website, a Google Doc? And I know this might be a little bit um, tailored to each individual unit, so I don't know if you want to speak to that, each of you in turn. So in university services, we will continue to use our automated system. Mm -hmm. So we will be using the same form, but we will be making some changes where we're moving to the three-point scale along with all of the other units, but we will be using the same form. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. 
For the Humphrey School, we will continue to use our Google form similar to what we've been using the last couple of years. So we will move to the simplified form and it will be online. Mm -hmm. Great. In OIT, we'll continue to use Google Drive as we have the mm -hmm. last few years. Good. And in OHR, we'll just continue to use the same, um, basically the same format. Is that right, Brandon? Um, yep. So the you'll use um, the same approach as last year, but the form will be the new form mm -hmm. for 2020. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, Gail, there's a question about Humphrey. So, um, do you are you able to see it? Do you yes. want to take that? Yes. One? So the question is, when is this rolling out for Humphrey, and should it be incorporated into reviews underway currently for the calendar year 2018? And when when talking about goals for 2019. So what I would say to that is, we are wrapping up our performance review process now, and if conversations have happened with your supervisor for 2018, I think you leave them as is. However, if they haven't yet happened, you can certainly incorporate goals for 2019 into this new process. The process will be rolled out now. Uh, we are going to align with the April 1st through March 31st review period. However, more information will be shared tomorrow at our staff meeting, and we can talk more about the details of moving forward. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. Um, there's a question in here about performance ratings, and I think any of you uh, might be able to respond to this, but just about performance ratings in general. Um, what can you share about any changes for 2020? What's the thinking behind it? Um, we spoke to this a little bit earlier, but um, can you say a little bit more about, for example, why we might be moving from a five-point scale to a three-point scale? Well, I can maybe start. Um, so the, first of all, just to, to just kind of put it out there, the, the scale that's used really is not that important. Um, there's a lot of different scales that can work just fine. Um, the, the point is that if we're all on a common scale and we all have a common approach to this, then it helps a whole lot of different things uh, around having those uh, discussions around performance and development. We landed on a three-point scale um, for a couple of reasons. You know, one is that um, most people um, who don't, you know, spend their lives studying assessment of performance, um, right, can, can distinguish between three things pretty reliably, right? You can, you can sort of evaluate this person is meeting expectations. You can determine, you know what, they're really going above those expectations or yeah, they're not quite meeting those expectations. And so there's sort of those three levels that most people in, you know, particularly in supervisory roles can distinguish. Once you start adding more points on the scale, you start getting a lot more noise. Um, it gets a lot less reliable. Is, is this four or five? You know, is this, you know, 3.5 or four, right? Because we know that a lot of times people start adding decimals in there. Um, and so that's one of the big things is just it, it, it simplifies the rating process um, and aligns with kind of where most people can make, you know, pretty, pretty good judgments. And then beyond that, you start getting um, a lot more noise in the, in the process. But like I said, there is no perfect scale and, you know, three point, a five point, you know, they can both work. We're not doing away with numeric ratings at this point, is that right? Right, yeah. And actually, yeah, not to sidetrack us, but a few years ago, some of you may have followed um, kind of in the private sector, there was a lot of thought that performance ratings should be gotten rid of, right, that, that we should go to a ratingless system. And a lot of organizations tried that. Some, you know, you've probably read about in the news, uh, big uh, American companies and so on. And as they've really studied what happened, that didn't work very well. 
um, because the problem wasn't the ratings. The problem was that the focus was on the review itself and not on the ongoing discussions and the feedback and coaching and those kinds of things. So most of those organizations that were famous for ditching their review scores have gone back to that. Kendrick, I see there's a question for OIT, so I don't know if you wanted to see that one. Regarding the mid-year review? Yeah. Yeah, so in, in OIT, we'll continue to do a, a mid-year review um, six months into the new cycle, and that will be a good opportunity to um, to make sure everyone's kind of on the same page about this new process and see how it works. Mm -hmm. um, so when we get to the end of the year, it's, it's, it's not a surprise to anybody. Mm -hmm. yeah, it seems like, um, and any of you can speak to this too, you know, one a, a key piece of all of this is that there will be a review of this process. We'll have a chance to kind of go back and see how it's working um, moving forward. There's a question here about greatest challenges. Oh, and I think, yeah. um, you know, the greatest challenge maybe for this new process is really making sure we're setting aside the time to, to, to have this conversation on an ongoing basis mm -hmm. versus having it once or twice per year. So I think mm -hmm. um, that's both on, you know, on management but also on staff to, to make sure that we're, we're keeping this conversation top of mind throughout the year. I mm -hmm. think that's really the, the most important thing that we can do and also the biggest challenge perhaps. Mm -hmm. That's right. I think that's a really good point because goals can change throughout the year and so it's good to have conversations with employees as mm -hmm. goals may change and you can just keep on top of that. So it is important to have regular conversations, mm -hmm. absolutely. It can change really quickly as mm -hmm. a matter of fact. And you can, I think to the point of one of the, the slides earlier, you can spend a ton of time getting the perfect goals down and then in a month or two they'll change. And so that's why um, doing those three to five really impactful goals that are flexible, I think is gonna be more important here. There's one here um, that about uh, the process seeming to be focused more on project type positions. So I assume that means, you know, position jobs where you're more working on projects uh, versus production type activities. Um, and it, it isn't designed specifically for one or the other. Um, you know, so what I would say about that is that you know, how, how these practices are translated to a specific employee in a specific position, um, you know, that needs to be part of those conversations that you have about priorities, about goals, about you know, feedback and coaching. Um, but this, this, these practices that we've been talking about today and that are gonna be part of this process, they work for they do work for all kinds of positions. Um, so if you're finding, you know, I don't, you're, you're thinking, I'm not sure how this applies in this case, then that might be time to, you know, consult with, um, you know, your HR team or, or something because they do apply, but I know sometimes you can sort of have trouble seeing maybe exactly how it would connect. And that's, that's a normal part of this, I think. There, there's a question in here about does it apply, I think that speaks to what you just said, apply to all employees, including managers, directors, and um, executives. Um, so I'm wondering, I, um, I don't know if each of you, the HR leads, want to speak to that as well. Um, what does the performance um, you know, form apply to or the system? So I know it's a little bit different for each of you. I could speak to that. At the Humphrey School, this new performance management process will uh, be for all, em all employees, um, non-faculty. However, if a faculty member supervises an employee, then they will be part of the process of reviewing that performance. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you, Gail. In, in, in OIT, this form would be used for, for everybody in the organization. Mm -hmm. It's flexible enough in that it, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a, a good advantage of this tool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in new services, this form will be used for all PA and civil service staff. Mm -hmm. Great. 
And in OHR, we're using it for everybody too. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. Good. Thanks, everyone. There's a question here about self ratings. Maybe we could take a oh, stab at that. Oh, yeah. Um, so the question is, will there will staff be kind of rating themselves as part of this process? Uh, and the answer would be would be no. But that's really we look to to management to to assign that score. I think it's important to highlight the employee input form that's provided, mm -hmm. and that's really the mechanism to um, to make sure that you you um, inform your manager of your kind of perspective of your mm -hmm. performance before the review is is finalized. Um, it looks like someone else is asking about um, merit pay. How does this new process relate to merit pay? And I think that relates to each individual unit. And Brandon spoke a little bit about that during the presentation too. So I don't know if there's anything folks want to add to that. Yeah, you know, I really see the, the evaluation of performance and how merit pay is distributed as really two separate two yeah. separate topics. And so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a question here about would I need to change the competencies I'm using to communicate with my my staff about their progress. Um, I believe the answer would be would be no that units are not making changes to their competency models uh, at this point in time. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That's something we'll look at, you know, collectively for probably for next year because there would be some benefits of having a common language uh, around that. But for this year, you'll continue to use what you, you use locally. Uh, we had a question just come in about, can you share an example of a good goal, or will there be samples in the training for people who have no project-related task? um, tasks, plural. Um, so I know that my sense is that during the, the training there will be some um, opportunities to work through that, but I don't know if any of you had a perspective on what a good goal would be, or if anything comes to mind around that. I think we really went through a lot of that um, during the the, um, the slides here, and so um, as we were kind of sharing earlier too, it's, there's an opportunity on that action sheet to for yourself kind of take a look and and just write down your own goals. And if you have questions, talk to your supervisor. If you're an employee, um, you know you can. And and we will be going in more in depth on this during the supervisory training as well. Yeah, and that, that's a common question around goal setting is, you know, people sort of saying, and it's reasonable, right? I, if I can see for a position where there's these discrete projects, how you would set goals and how you would talk about that. But what if it's not like that in, in my job or the jobs that I manage? And, you know, that is where I think it's helpful to, we'll be doing, you know, some local training around some of this because every unit has a little bit of a different approach to goal setting um, or, or talking about priorities in the work. That, that, you, that happens throughout the year. Um, so I would just say, you know, kind of bring those questions if you're mm -hmm. uh, wondering about that. If And I, I guess I don't know if this was a supervisor asking or not. Um, but what I would say too is, you know, think about the role um, and think about what, is, what does success look like in the role and how could you describe that? And in some roles, you know, that may be, you know, very high level language about big projects, but in a lot of roles, it's gonna be the day-to-day -day work. And what does success look like? And you may also want to think about, depending on your local goal setting or prioritization process, how you might talk about your own development goals, right? Because it may not be just about what you're accomplishing, but how you're doing it, right? What are some of the things that you want to learn, the skills that you want to develop so you can be more effective in doing that? So those would just be kind of some of the, that's not directly answering your question, I know, but it's giving you maybe some ideas of what how to think about this, because mm -hmm. that does come up a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay, someone asked, um, why are we moving the um, start date to April instead of by calendar or fiscal year? 
So for university services, we made this change this past year because there's just so much going on at the beginning of the fiscal year with finishing up merit pay, getting work plans in place. So we decided this past year to make this switch to April instead. And for the Humphrey School, I think we want to be in alignment with the other units um, as best we can. And I think this will set us up for um, good success in that way. And also, typically our process runs February through April anyway. So rather than having um, it almost a quarter year long, we are just simply going to move the, um, the dates. Mm -hmm. And for OIT, of course, we just want to be in alignment with everyone else to mm -hmm. kind of help you know, build the momentum of, of this uh, effort. Yeah, and same for OHR. We're, yeah. we're moving a little bit, but the benefits, and I know in the first year it's going to be a little maybe clunky at first as we shift from one to the other, but um, it will bring us into alignment, and that's really the benefit of this. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's a question, is there a time that you see us aligning to a common tool, especially since we're moving toward a common process? Mm, that's a question that gets raised from time to time. We'd like a crack at that one. All right, I'll, I'll take a crack at that one. So the, the Talent and Performance Management Working Group that I, I mentioned earlier, this, this is a group that's really on an ongoing basis looking at how we can support and improve you know, all of these practices uh, university-wide. And that, that, that question around a common tool um, comes up a lot. And right now, we're focused on putting in place practices that really work because you, we really there's value in separating the tool from the process, right? What are how, how what works in terms of practices, and then how do we administer it? Are two separate questions, and so we're trying to do the one first, and that's what performance management 2020 is about. But we are going to be exploring kind of that question of you know does it make sense at some point in time to move to a common tool? If so, what would that look like? Um, so we don't you know I, I guess if the question is um, could we eventually move to that? I think absolutely, but we're exploring that. We may not. Um, at this, we're, we're kind of digging into that right now. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, I don't have a, a clear answer. I don't know if any of my colleagues want to jump in and feel free to disagree with me. I know this is a, it's a, it's an important issue. Anything is possible. And yes, mm -hmm. anything is possible. <laughs> well, it looks like we're getting rather close to the end of our time. So. I don't know if um, if our panelists have any additional thoughts about any of this they'd like to share. All of the HR leads will be, again, setting up goal setting um, training for all of the units. So that will be coming next for, mm -hmm. for our units. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really excited about this. I think it's really going to help us head in the right direction. And oh, there's more to come. Mm -hmm. But of course, focus on what you're doing now, your current review. Let's get that done. Yeah. And then, yeah. 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 And then we're going to dive deeper into into this in more, mm -hmm. uh, in more detail, for sure. Mm -hmm. And for the Humphrey School, I'm really excited about this. And I, I know that there have been some um, questions and perhaps some hesitation about what this looks like in terms of tools and resources. And I want um, employees at the Humphrey School to know that we will find our way there together and there will be not a lack of any information as we move forward. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, thanks everyone for your thoughtful answers to the questions. And so now um, the next steps are to talk to your supervisor or teammates about what you heard about today. Start or continue your check-ins. Uh, explore the resources that we've mentioned. And then coming soon, supervisors especially, watch for communication from your local units on additional training opportunities. Remember also to check 
out the 2020 performance.umn.edu site to learn more about this initiative. Well, I just want to say thanks again to everyone, to Anne, Kendrick, and Gail especially for coming and um, giving us some in insight into your units and also just for um, answering our Q&As. We really appreciate your participation. Thank you too, Brandon. Um, we hope you find this information today useful and relevant to your performance management processes. And we're really looking forward to talking with you again soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Supervisory Development Course Podcast. If you have any questions regarding the 2020 Performance Management Initiative, please visit 2020performance.umn.edu or email ltd at umn.edu. The Supervisory Development Course Podcast is created by Leadership and Talent Development within the Office of Human Resources at the University of Minnesota. If you have questions regarding supervisory development, please email us at ltd at umn.edu.